It's the SNL Hall of Fame Podcast. With your host, Jamie Dew. Chief Librarian, Thomas Senna. And featuring Matt Ardill. And now, Curator of the Hall. Jamie Dew. All right. Welcome to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast, a weekly affair where each episode we take a deep dive into the career of a former cast member, host, musical guest, or writer and add them to the ballot for your consideration. Once the nominees have been announced, we turn to you, the listener, to vote for the most deserving and help determine who will be enshrined for perpetuity in the hall. Welcome. Welcome, one and all. Step right inside the SNL Hall of Fame. But before you do, look at the mat on the ground there. Just use it. Wipe your feet, won't you? I'm excited for this week's, this week's episode. I'm so excited I can't even talk. I'm joined, as always, by Thomas Senna, who is joined by Will Norman to talk about Beyonce. Now, I know precious little about Beyonce, so that's why I'm looking forward to this episode to get my learning cap on and find out whether or not she belongs inside the SNL Hall of Fame. If she were to make it, she would be the first musical act inside the SNL Hall of Fame, so that is uh, rather exciting. What do you say we walk down the hall here? Join me. Come on down the hall. We're going to head over to this closet where my friend Matthew Ardill has been uh, doing his peachy, peachy, peachy warm-up vocal exercises in anticipation of his Minutia Minute. Matt, how are you doing, my friend? Hey, Jamie. I'm great. And yourself? Uh, actually, I'm... I'm pretty good. I mean, I'm excited about today's nominee. I don't know much about her. The Queen Bee, Beyonce. Yeah, five foot, six and a half inches. This is the only time I've ever found somebody who's like that precise in their <laughs> measurements. You know, she actually has a lot of credits on her IMDb, 139 acting credits, but most of those are music videos. I mean, right. really, she's got like two film credits um and i'll be honest the only one that i've seen is the austin powers movie but which she was great at she was amazing i was like she's one of the funniest things in that film so if she wanted to do more comedy she would have my money yeah um now her name is a tribute to her mother's maiden name she is actually got a Canadian connection. She is a descendant from French aristocrats that can be traced to the family of the Viscount de Beam, um, as well as Acadian militia officer Joseph Bangor. Uh, her family was deported to Louisiana as part of the Acadian deportation that took place when the United Kingdom took over Nova Scotia. Now, she actually is also friends with Alicia Keys, uh, and Kelly Rowland, she's been friends with Alicia Keys since she was 14. Oh, wow. Kelly Rowland since she was a little kid. Um, so when I hear she's also like really good friends with Gwyneth Paltrow, Mariah Carey, and Rihanna, I'm like, oh, of course she is. One of her earliest appearances was on Star Search in 1983 and first really made it big with Kelly Rowland and Michelle Williams in, 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 as a trio. She holds 
28 Grammys, nominated the most nominated woman in Grammy history. Uh, and she actually is incredibly shy, uh, which, you know, seeing her stage presence, you'd never guess it. But she created the persona of Sasha, Sasha Fierce. Sasha Fierce. As, uh, yeah, it's an alternate uh, kind of personality. So when she's getting nervous, she just channels Sasha and gets up on stage and kicks butt. Ironically, her favorite rapper is Wyclef Jean, um, much to Jay-Z's chagrin. Um, <laughs> first woman artist to reach the number one position on, on the both the singles and album charts simultaneously in the U.S. and the U.K. And sure. uh, yeah, so I mean, she's made history. Uh, one of her, her video which is parodied on an episode of SNL, Single Ladies, put a ring on it, was actually one of the cheapest videos she's ever uh, made. But that's because she actually just took all of the budget from that video and spent it on producing If I Were a Boy. Yeah, so she has one quote that I think really sums up why she is so amazing. Uh, She says, I don't like to gamble, uh, but if there's one thing I'm willing to bet on, it's myself. Oh, and uh, I, I'd say that's a, that's a safe bet. That's a safe bet. Yeah, that's a. I like that. Uh, I may get that tattooed on my arm. I like that expression so much. Thanks a lot, Matt. You do amazing work here in your minutia minute corner. Let's kick it downstairs to our friend Thomas. Thomas, take it away. Yes, thank you so much, Jamie. I am here joined by Will Norman. He's an SNL super fan, and the listeners may know him from his appearances, his occasional appearances with our friends on the Saturday Night Network on their patron feedback show. Will and I had a chance to be on the SNL or the Saturday Night Network's character countdown show, talking characters one through three i think yeah i know we talked about stefan and uh, some other characters we had a great time with that and you also heard will earlier in the season he was on our alec baldwin episode uh which i thought went really well so thank you so much will norman uh for joining me today here on the snl hall of fame yeah thanks thomas i'm glad to be here thanks for the very nice introduction it's always great to uh be with you get to talk about snl and um, there's been a lot of great, a lot of great nominees so far this season. So I'm excited to talk about who we're talking, you know, our our topic today. But yeah, excited to be back and talk a little bit about Beyonce. Yeah. So the first time you and I ever chatted, we talked about characters and cast members. Of course, we talked about Alec Baldwin, who was nominated as a host. And today we're covering Beyonce who we are nominating as a musical guest. So so you and I can run the whole gamut of SNL and all the facets that go into SNL. So I'm very curious to get your take on Beyonce and musical guests in general. So many SNL viewers 
don't look at the musical guest as, as a huge part of the show. That's come up when we've done these uh, roundtables with the, with the Hall of Fame voters, and some of them have openly admitted that musical guests aren't a huge deal to them. So I'm curious with you as an SNL fan, how do the musical guests fit into the show for you? Well, for me, I think it's I think just it's you know, we talk about this as a as the show has evolved and gone on, the format excuse me, the format is genius, right? It's with the host, then a musical guest. You can kind of work with two different fan bases, bring those into the show. And if you don't like one, you still have the other. And you could pull from many different genres, first from a host standpoint and from a musical guest standpoint. And so for me, uh, the musical guest is always kind of the cherry on top. You're going to spend more time with the host unless they're doing double duty. So I always enjoy to see who the musical guest is. And I typically, it's usually kind of secondary to the to the show, unless there's some big draws. And that, that's happened, obviously, over the course of the show. And there's a reason why, you know, the people that are nominated are definitely the draws, the people that might bring in. Uh, fans to either in person or to watch the show that might not typically watch SNL that might be more famous than the person that's hosting. Um, I think, uh, you know, Beyonce definitely qualifies for that. But typically, like I said, as a fan, I'm always mostly focused on the host, but I do enjoy the musical guests. And it's always fun to hear from artists that either get their start on SNL or it's your first time hearing about them. They're getting that first national spotlight and see what they do with that space, what they do with that opportunity. Yeah, that's really well said. I'm generally that way, too, uh, with musical uh, guests. Uh, A bad musical guest or one that I'm not necessarily into won't detract from an episode for me, but a really good musical guest or one that catches me by surprise can add to an episode. Uh, We're here in season 48, uh, the current season, and SZA is one that really stood out to me. I never really heard SZA's music, and it was great performance Mm -hmm. (laughs) that night, so that's just kind of added to that episode definitely so that that's very well put about musical guests i just think it's, it's really interesting too because especially in this environment where we're at now with with the way that people watch shows on the rewatch the musical guests are ones that can potentially get fast forwarded or get skipped but it's hard to say i'm not going to watch this host you know for the right. entire <laughs> the entire episode right. um but yeah when they like i agree with you about SZA, like she's like really stood out to me and she did a really great job and i think that kind of goes back to the idea of like when you are an artist that no one maybe it's familiar with you. What do you do with that performance and opportunity to get a new fan or get someone else's ear? And there's, you know, definitely some, some musical guests that have captured that moment and really had some great performances, which I think is really fun to talk about. Yeah. There's definitely musical guests who for me warrant that SNL hall of fame consideration or induction. And I think today we're talking about Beyonce. Uh, She definitely qualifies. So let's, dive in, talk about Beyonce. So where did you start taking notice uh, and even start listening to to Beyonce? So for me, uh, I started listening to Beyonce when she was a part of Destiny's Child. And for me, when she first had her first few album releases, that was in, I think, like 99. And I think I was actually probably just coming out in middle school, actually, I think. So, <laughs> so a little young, but I just remember her being um, around Destiny's Child. And obviously the the group changed quite a bit with the members and we'll kind of get into when she's going to SNL. But this was really fun for me as a rewatch and going through some of her episodes. Cause you, she's one of those people who I wouldn't consider her necessarily like, we don't think of her as being a child star. Right. But she has been in everyone's life for so long from a destiny's child to now as, you know, a full adult with children and, you know, music, you know, part of a musical superstar family. 
Um, you kind of take for granted just how long she's been in everyone's life. So Beyonce has been in my life since I'd say, you know, 99. Um, I remember listening to her music, listening to her albums. Um, and I think that she's obviously, you know, it's not a surprise, one of the greatest <laughs> artists of all time. Um, but she's been around forever. So it's been interesting to see her evolve and grow with the show and her multiple appearance, appearances. But what, what about you? Are you a Beyonce fan or? Yeah, that, and that's something you mentioned. That's something that was really striking to me is that she's been in the public eye since she was 16. I mean, Destiny's Child released their first, their self-titled album in 1998, and Beyonce was 16 at the time. And I do remember that, and of course, in you said 99, they had The Writings on the Wall, which was their second album, that really, I think people took note of their first album, but that second album in 99 really push them into uh, into the mainstream uh, in a huge way. And even in 99, I mean, Beyonce was only 17 at the yeah. time. So, I mean, we don't consider her a child star, but she very much was uh, along the same lines of around that time, Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears, all around the same age, all around the same time. So, so that's just kind of wild to think about. Like we know the Beyonce now, yeah. but she was 16 and 17 and, and we knew who she was. And I, I used to listen to a lot of hip hop and a lot of pop music around that time. So I definitely took note of, of Destiny's Child around that time. Um, so when you watched and listened to Destiny's Child, was there a sense that Beyonce would break out as a solo star like she did? You know, I think so. It's it's kind of interesting because there's a the, there's a dynamic when you listen to the songs and listen to the way the bands are the band is set up. It was very clear that she was the face of the of the band. And I think you know, I'm sure Thomas is kind of close in age in terms of like that time with boy bands and uh, pop bands. There was always kind of that look of like, all right, who's the Justin Timberlake with NSYNC, right? Who's going to be the person who's going to maybe go solo or stay with the band. And there's always that kind of point of will they won't they stay as a group or, or be solo, but her talent always uh, show that she could be, could go solo. I think the dynamic with that, with the group was with Kelly Rowland, with her, them being cousins and being related. That was always kind of the thing that made me think, well, maybe she'll stay with the group and maybe they'll do their own thing. And in a way, they were the core of Destiny's Child as the group evolved around them with the multiple members that came in and out. But it was apparent, you know, from the first time you, you know, listened to her within the realm of the group and how they presented her with her dad being a manager of the group, you know, making sure she's front facing too, that she was could definitely be go solo if she wanted to. I don't want to say that the amount of success she had wouldn't have been predicted, but it is kind of don't take it for granted how much success she's had as a solo artist, but the talent was always there from the very beginning for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. I think she's the one you mentioned. It was the original Destiny's Child was Beyonce, Kelly Rowland, Latavia Roberson, and Latoya Luckett. That was the original Destiny's Child. And uh, for the, those first two albums as well, so the Destiny's Child that came later, they weren't there for like Bills, 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 and Say My Name. That was still the original yeah. Destiny's Child. And I do think Beyonce was set up maybe more than any of them to be the focal point and the star, not taking anything away from the other ones. Uh, Kelly Rowland has been a huge success in her own right. She, she's she been successful in music and acting. So not to take away from any of them, but to me, it was apparent early on. I do remember being most drawn uh, to Beyonce out of anybody in that group. So that was the original lineup. And then in early 2000, there was a lineup change. So, 
Out were Latavia, Roberson, and Latoya Luckett, and in were Michelle Williams and Farrah Franklin. And Kelly Rowland uh, stayed in the group. And then a few months later, Farrah Franklin uh, quit the group. So then it was just a trio of Beyonce, Kelly, and Michelle, which I think is the formation, the Destiny's Child lineup that that everybody knows. So that, that leads us into... Beyonce, Destiny's Child, and Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yeah. So May 5th, 2001, the host is Pierce Brosnan. Destiny's Child is the musical guest on SNL. So I know we both rewatched these episodes, or at least rewatched the musical performances yep. for all of Beyonce's appearances. So first song they did was Survivor course the big hit off of their that was their third album that they're promoting second song was that Bee Gees cover uh, emotion so what did you make of their first appearance beyonce's first appearance on snl with destiny's child yeah i enjoyed it i was uh, you know this is a fun rewatch to go back because like i said you've seen we, we know beyonce's been our life for so long and you go back to the original and you're seeing all these songs for one. The Survivor performs. I'll start there. They're doing. I remember the music video, and I see them wearing the camo uh, outfit. And Beyonce has the the blonde, really curly hair that I just haven't seen in so long. We're like, oh my gosh, yeah, like that's that's Beyonce, just like young and you know younger, and you know out there with a on theme with like a very you know very popular song at the time. And I think the live singing was really apparent too. <laughs> you know i think that sometimes performers on snl they might lean into more the the choreography or the set design but you could tell that they were really trying to make the most of sharing their voices they did have the background dancers but really having fun with the theme and we'll kind of talk about some observations of like this. Some, there's some consistency, I think with a lot of the performances that they had as a group and that she had, but it was really fun to see her come and really give a performance. And you mentioned SZA earlier. And I think like that performance that she gave really, it was like the singing and how beautiful her voice was. And you could really see Beyonce was really giving that effort and that energy and really having fun with the performance within the realm of the group. And then with emotions, you know, slowed it down a little bit. They're sitting on stools. They're wearing the gold outfits. They show that versatility between sets of really, not over the top, but like a very energetic, really hyped up song to start. And then going into a slower song and more of a ballad and really having fun with that and really showcasing their talent. I think that's what you want out of you know new artists is their first time like what are you gonna bring what's your si- what's your sound what's your style are you appreciating it? and i think that they really did their best to put their best foot forward with the, with two great songs um and then matching the tone of the night as they go through so that was my 
initial thoughts, but I'd love to hear yours too, Thomas. Like, what were what were your thoughts when you were watching it? Yeah, you had mentioned the 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 live aspect of her vocals or their vocals that were apparent to me. The instrumentation of, of of Survivor, the arrangement was a little different, I think, live as opposed to recorded. So, and and that that kind of, that fits the live vocals as well. It was just something a little different from from the recorded version of Survivor that everybody by that time was familiar with or starting to get familiar with, and that really that really stood out to me. Um, also, I think Beyonce came across as front and center as maybe the standout member during these performances. Um, I think it was Michelle that had actually a pretty good solo during emotion, but mm-hmm. Beyonce had solos at the end of both of those songs. <laughs> yeah. She was even physically placed in the middle and off in front and center. If you noticed how the, how oh, they yeah. were, the three of them are arranged. Beyonce is always in the middle and maybe she's even a few feet, a couple feet in front of the other two. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I get, I wonder how they've, they feel about that how Michelle and Kelly felt about that I don't want to I don't want to project and say oh they had a problem with it I mean they mm-hmm. they may very well have loved that dynamic and and yeah. loved the success and um and they're both very talented in their own right but I just that's something that I noticed just the physical placement of Beyonce yeah. on the stage <laughs> yeah. for sure yeah it, you know it's, it's so true because it's funny I, I had it in my notes too the the variety that you mentioned was you know the variety between the album version and the live version and then also very apparent that Beyonce is the star. You know, there's there's that like moment where she's in every performance too, really, where she would share, like she would have a moment to kind of shine. Like, I'm gonna just kind of show off the pipes here a little bit. I'm gonna kind of show you what I can do. Like I will play nicely and I'll be and I'm front and center, but I will still have those solos, those moments to have the runs and show off this the her range. And you know, it's funny, the thing that I I thought about too watching her performance was I think Beyonce was wearing like a a midriff, and so like she had like the abs exposed. And what made me what made me what made me think about was a story about Destiny's Child when they were I think the original group and Beyonce's father, and he used to have them run miles uh, while they sang, and it really helped with their vocal pitch and their ability to you know sing and hold notes and have their range and everything. So. I was I immediately thought that I was like, oh, that's what happens when you, you know, are running and singing like this is the kind of, you know, range and kind of, you know, ability you have. And so um, but it was very apparent to your point, like she was the star and was, you know, playing nice in the sandbox. But it was Beyonce's group, which was that's so funny. Beyonce's dad put them through like pop star boot camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's for like sure. That's, I mean, that's really smart. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. That's really smart. If you think a lot of singers especially singers who who dance during their performance say that that's the one thing they have to do is get their cardio up because you get winded and obviously it affects uh, how you sing so uh so that's all very good points and beyonce we see in this episode one of at least two sketches that she was in while she appeared on saturday night live so this one was a gemini's twin sketch Mm -hmm. so so what do you think about Beyonce and Destiny's Child in this Gemini's Twin sketch. Yeah, no, I thought that it was really, that was really fun. It was a fun rewatch, right? Because it was a Maya Rudolph and uh, Anna Gasteyer playing the, the 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 members of Gemini's Twin. And those that haven't seen it, you know, the Destiny's Child is shows up later in the sketch as the members that they had kicked out of Gemini's Twin who had started their own, you know, group. And so it was really fun to see one Beyonce appear in her first sketch, right? 
but also kind of making fun of herself because they were really poking fun at the idea of how many changes Destiny Child had gone through to that point. Because as we mentioned before, the original four members were, you know, around 98, 99. By the time she appears, it's just the three of them with Michelle, you know, Kelly, Beyonce, and Michelle. So kind of poking fun at the idea that, like, the groups have had a lot of changeover. Now, these girls hold a real special place in our heart because mm-hmm. they are the first three members that we kicked out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, since then, y'all have formed a new group called Serendipity's Coincidence. Mm-hmm. So give us a 411. Well, in our sound, we try to come from a real emotionary place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's all about representing the real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know who gets the free clothes. Free clothes. Clo- Silver polish. <laughs> and then kind of have a singing battle there back and forth where they're singing variations of some of their popular songs and kind of battling back and forth. So, you know, they kind of, you know, definitely Maya and Anna and are like carrying it and then Beyonce and Jesse Shaw come out at the very end. But it's a very fun, you know, it, it really struck to me when I thought about it as a very like first time, like a very famous person's like first time where they're kind of had that self-deprecating, like kind of come on and like make fun of yourself and be in the SNL world. And although she kind of taps back into that later, it was kind of a fun way for her to just, you know, be a little bit um, self-deprecating as a, you know, with the group um, on their first appearance and kind of have fun with it before later on when Bounce is going to just get, continue more and more and more famous. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that was a that was a really fun sketch. And I know we're talking mm-hmm. about her as a musical guest, but I like when my musical guests appear in sketches. I mean, it's, it's not required to be an SNL Hall of Famer as a musical guest, but it doesn't hurt. Honestly, yeah, I, no, I agree. I agree because it's 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 fun to see that side of the personality because you know you kind of get a chance to see what material they choose or they're they're good with how they lend their own talents to the sketch if they have the comedic timing if they use their voice you know as a way to make a sketch that is impossible with you know maybe the other talent of the the cast from a singing standpoint. But there's been a lot of fun. Those cameos are always fun, and I think as a fan, like you mentioned it, Thomas, like you just kind of love seeing them get a chance to play with the rest of the cast and not just perform yeah other songs yeah exactly and it's interesting for me to go back and see beyonce in sketches because maybe i don't follow her closely enough but it uh, it doesn't seem like she showcases a ton of her more playful silly side or Mm -hmm. i don't know what you want to call it but just seeing her in a sketch joking around that's not something Mm -hmm. that i personally see a ton uh, from her and she might be that way and I, I just totally miss it but it's really neat for me to see to see Beyonce in yeah. that type of environment I think that's fair I think she's pretty I think she's gotten much more open with her personality her beliefs and being outspoken and being opinionated about things like as she's grown and as she's you know grown as an artist but I do think that she's very buttoned up you know a lot of times so I think that there's that 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 silly side of her, I don't think, is always on display, as you mentioned. So that was a really fun first uh, SNL appearance for Beyonce, Destiny's Child. That was in 2001. So 2002 in November, her second appearance. She wasn't officially a musical guest in this episode, but we should acknowledge she did appear with Jay Z, uh, her boyfriend. I think they were already together by that time. Uh, so. Yeah, so they uh, Jay Z was the musical guest with host Eric McCormick, and so Beyonce joined him for O3 Bonnie and Clyde. All right, break it down for me. Take them up top. 
You saw Lenny Kravitz uh, on guitar, a really neat thing. So what what do you think of that performance? And I'm curious what you think of just kind of the Jay-Z, Beyonce partnership and dynamic over the years. Yeah, it's kind of, it's interesting because, I mean, obviously, like, there's been a lot of conversation about it and they've, you know, it's, they've inspired each other personally and musically and their relationship was a little bit of a secret for a while. And this is kind of like the first, I don't know if it was they were officially a couple or like, it was kind of like, I think they're together, you know, kind of thing at this point in time that they weren't already, but, you know, watching them together on stage, like that point, knowing what we know now in terms of how the relationship would evolve with having, being married, not having kids, being billionaires, like lemonade, like all the things that are going to come ahead still watching it and thinking like, wow, this is, it's hard to think of, especially in the music industry, a more famous couple. You know, you're just thinking like the star power that's on that stage. And I was thinking, you know, who, when I'm watching the performance, you know, Beyonce's kind of supporting in the background and she's kind of dancing while Jay-Z's doing a lot of rapping and she has her time to shine, obviously. But like their dynamic, I'm just thinking like, I, I was trying to think of what other artists could get Beyonce to just kind of chill and dance behind them, kind of hang out popping for a solo and then kind of chill you know and it's like oh yeah only jay-z and same thing like the only person that could be hey jay-z can you just come out here for like a little bit is beyonce and it's like the star power of both of them and it's always kind of been joked about and i'm trying to think of it the, the they're both kind of made for each other in terms of like it would take someone as confident and as successful as jay-z to get beyonce and her musical talent his musical talent like they're both very much equals and superstars and like I don't know what random, you know, what what random musical artist or person female would be able to get Jay-Z to, you know, commit to them or vice versa. Like they're both kind of perfectly matched from a star power standpoint. So it's kind of interesting to see that that started so early and is still evolved when they're still making it work as a couple. So kind of all over the place there. But like it's just kind of crazy their star power together. And I have to share this. Their collective star power almost got me trampled one time. So, <laughs> so in 2010, yeah. So in 2010, I was at the Coachella Festival. I used to go to Coachella between like 2007 and 2014, almost every year I went to Coachella. And so this was in 2010, and Jay Z was headlining that year. And so Jay Z and Beyonce were just at the festival. A lot of the artists, when they go to the festival, they like to watch other artists sets and I usually try to park myself by the soundboard especially at music festival sets I feel less crowded all the sound is good anyway so I was watching Tom York who's the lead singer of Radiohead he was doing a solo set and a little before Tom York came on Jay-Z and Beyonce appear like right behind me. I'm leaning against the soundboard and literally maybe like six feet behind me Jay-Z and Beyonce are arriving to watch Tom York set. And I noticed them, but I didn't say anything. I was just kind of like, oh, that's Jay-Z and Beyonce. All right. And I sometimes get starstruck, but I don't really act on it. I just sort of just like, oh, there they are. That's cool. They like Tom York. And then I just kind of go back waiting for the set. But word got around that Jay-Z and Beyonce were right there. People started flooding 
toward them oh, yeah. to the sandboard and I was sitting there like a gladiator. I was like a Roman gladiator just trying to fight people off, not to get trampled. And I managed to keep my spot at the soundboard and Jay-Z and Beyonce's security, of course, right away, like told people to yeah. back off and whatnot. And so probably for about five minutes, it was just a, a weird yeah. scene. And then Tom York started and everybody had a good time. Jay-Z and Beyonce, I glanced, of course, I glanced at them to see how they were enjoying the show yeah. and, yeah, sure. and they're were both they? enjoying it. Yeah. I guess they're fans <laughs> of Radiohead and Tom That's York, great. but yeah. So, awesome. so that was my little detour here. That's a very that's a very uh, high level celebrity sighting. I'm glad you survived it. Yeah, thank you. I know, me too. <laughs> but that speaks to how just huge, huge they are as a couple and just individually. But when you put them together, I mean, they just definitely have that star power. So, O3 Bonnie and Clyde was a really good performance. Uh, she sounded great, like you said, when she had her own verse her time to shine, I thought her voice sounded really clean and, and really great. So her next appearance was a solo appearance toward the end of that same season. So that was season 28. In May of 2003, she appeared as a solo artist. So she was promoting her debut solo album, Dangerously in Love. The host is Dan Aykroyd. So she gets paired with SNL royalty. Yeah. They, SNL loves her so much. It's like, hey, come back. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd's our host. Here we go. <laughs> so she <laughs> she performs Crazy in Love. The way that you know what I'm about to do. The beat in my heart gives a number to you. But I still don't understand. Just how you look at doing all your pain. Jay-Z returns the favor and comes in and performs with her on Crazy in Love. And her second song was Dangerously in Love. So I have very strong feelings about uh, about this performance, but uh, I'm curious what you made of Beyonce's solo debut as a musical guest on SNL. Yeah, so, so I'm very curious to hear what your thoughts are, <laughs> but I'll, I'll start... It was interesting. I thought that she was, you know, the notes I was taking while watching is that she seemed way more comfortable. And it's in the sense of like, there was like the, the SNL call out at the top, you know, like getting not, the crowd hyped. It's always fun for people like in-house to do that. A lot of background dancers. And I remember thinking like, just what a power couple they were, like when he actually came out when Jay-Z enters and kind of, it was a different, it was different in the sense of like, from the first time they performed together, Beyonce was kind of behind him the whole time. Jay-Z kind of was like off stage, enters, goes off stage again. But I think what I what stood out to me is that I think overall, I think I enjoyed the performance, but it was a lot more, you could just see she was a lot more comfortable and a lot more there's a lot more ad-libs and a lot more call-outs. Just kind of I just felt like being really comfortable and like owning the space. You know, you could tell that she was kind of coming into her own, like I said, you talked about coming to her as a solo artist and really like owning that fact. And then obviously like the song. Crazy Love is one of those songs too. Once in where I'm like, man, I haven't heard the song in a while, but you're kind of transporting back that time. Like, wow, this is like a really big hit and another kind of big moment setting out for her. But it's a really small thing. But at the very end of her performance, I just remember hearing Jay Z yelling "Holla" <laughs> off camera, <laughs> <Holla>. <laughs> and just like a bunch of ad libs and like they just kind of have us, just kind of having fun with it. But 
like I said, I'd love to, to throw it over to you. What were your thoughts on their performance? Yeah, so Crazy in Love was really good to me. And it, it, started, it fit the theme that we've already seen of like a up-tempo, fun pop song. And then the other song is more of a down-tempo, nice, pretty ballad. So I liked Crazy in Love, but the second song, Dangerously in Love, re-watching that, I must have, I've, I went back while doing research for this episode and watched it at least like four or five times because it really hit me that much. It's honestly one of the standout SNL musical per- performances that I've on it, like ever seen for real. Yeah. And I, her, her voice, the, the way it just ramps up, like it starts off nice and you're like, Oh, this is good. But then by the end I, I had goosebumps. I had chills. Created in this world to love, to hold, to feel, to breathe. It was powerful, and it's definitely yeah. my favorite Beyonce performance on SNL, and it's up there as far as one of my favorite SNL performances of all time. Yeah, so it's so funny you say that because I'm looking at my notes, and I was I was going to take a break between going crazy in love and then dangerously in love, and I have in parentheses next to it, like, favorite. Because uh, <laughs> I was – the the thing that and we've t- talked about it, like with her performances is there's a trend at this point where – which I think is actually my preferred uh, trend with the musical guests. First song, upbeat, get us excited, hyped, going into Weekend Update. If that's, depending on the style of the artist, right? Then kind of bring it down the right for the 10 to 1. You're kind of, you know, it's kind of ramping down as we're kind of entering the, the denouement of the show. <laughs> but like, I remember watching and thinking to the same thing. Like, it was very low key. The red dress that she was wearing, like she looked beautiful. Her voice was beautiful. She had a lot of runs, and it was just a very felt like a very vulnerable performance. Where like, just it was just a beautiful performance, and that I think is one of those those things when you talk about as you're talking about like Hall of Fame candidacy and musical guests. It is great to have artists that have background singers, great set design that bring in other people because they have that star power. But it's about the music, right? Like when you're given a microphone and a stage and we're just asking you to just sing, rap, or play an instrument for us, like, can you move the audience? And that performance, to your point, once again, watching, I was like, this is probably my favorite performance. And it, it wasn't Soldier. It wasn't Crazy in Love. It wasn't a bunch of dancing. It wasn't a lot of people. It was just like the focus was on the music and the song. And I thought that she did an amazing performance. And I agree with you. I think that... I had that marked down as like probably my favorite performance of hers that she did on the show. And I'm going to go ahead and tell the listeners right now to stay tuned for the end of this episode. We usually play a, uh, if it's a musical guest, we'll play a song in full. If it's a cast member, we'll play a sketch in full. I'm going to go ahead and call it right now uh, to stick around. We're going to play Dangerously in Love <laughs> in full <Great> at, the, <laughs> at the end of this episode. So I will tell you right now to stick around for that and get goosebumps uh, along with us. So... This also, this performance also takes me, I mean, both performances, Crazy in Love, Dangerously in Love, her debut solo album, it takes me back to a specific moment (laughs) in time, 2003. I could still feel exactly where I was. I actually worked in radio around that time, and I worked with a, for a pop music station in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Crazy in Love and Baby Boy, which was from that album, were everywhere. 
in 2003. I don't know what you were up to in 2003, but you could not I, escape those songs. Not, not like we wanted to escape those songs, but they were just everywhere. You remember that? Yeah, and I was saying, since since it's just you and me talking here, Thomas, I'll I'll tell you that I when I, re- I remember during that time period, I believe I was dating I was dating someone, and I believe Baby Boy was the ringtone when uh, for that per- for my girlfriend at the time, and <laughs> and the song was everywhere. Couldn't escape hearing it, heard all the time. Um, and that's why I was saying, like watching these performances, you're looking at it and you're like, you kind of forget how popular and how present these songs were at the time. And like you said, it really was inescapable because it was there wasn't there wasn't like Spotify, right? There wasn't, I guess, you know, there's LimeWire or whatever, but you know, but there's you're listening like the airwaves and what's on TV is is really kind of the soundtrack of the zeitgeist at the time. And those are songs you just couldn't escape even if you wanted to. So it definitely took me back. I had the same thoughts of like, man, these songs are. That's this is 2003. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounded like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so this appearance uh, on SNL again, May 17, 2003. To me, it takes. This is the type of appearance that takes a musical guest from very good to bordering on all time and being discussed as a potential SNL Hall of Fame candidate and member. Mm-hmm. So this this is like Beyonce's turning point as far as why we're here discussing her right now so yeah yeah so i agree her fourth appearance a little a little swerve uh she's back with destiny's child it's december 2004 another heavy hitter robert de niro is hosting Mm -hmm. that kind of i don't know if might not be a coincidence we as snl fans there are no coincidences with (laughs) snl fans that was purposeful beyonce and robert de niro (laughs) a big heavy hitter duo i should say destiny's child and robert de niro Mm -hmm. so destiny's child released in november of 2004 what what would end up being their final album unless they surprise us with something in the coming years Mm -hmm. this was their final (laughs) album (laughs) destiny fulfilled they performed soldier which i think was the major hit from from that album and also cater to you so this is beyonce's Technically, fourth time, third time as a as a build musical guest on the show. So, where did where did you see Beyonce and just kind of her performance and, and even Destiny's Child as a whole with this uh, episode? Yeah. So, I think when I was looking at this episode, one of the things that that stood out was you know Destiny's Child. At this point, it's been I guess a few years, but I remember them look, having a more adult kind of look to them as they perform Soldier and having the the background dancers that were all guys. I mean, they said you kind of see thematically, like the way that the music is kind of changing a little bit in terms of what the, the, the lyrics and the focus are. But I was, I was thinking about the juxtaposition between that and survivor, right? Where it's like, you know, it's like, I'm a survivor. They had the camo, they're dancing. It's like all female background dancers. And then you kind of go into this, this most recent, their performance then, which is like with soldier. We like the boys up top from the BK. Know how to flip that money three ways. I 
and little Wayne popping up. I put in my notes like little right. Wayne coming, coming, coming out of nowhere <laughs> popping up, which I like was I you know heard the song I don't know how many times, but like was surprised to see him pop up, which goes back to you know their her and their star power being able to bring on a Jay Z, bring in little Wayne that will show up and just do a verse. Um, and I think that's kind of rarefied air considering the format. Um, you know, for someone to say I'll I'll stay up until eleven midnight on the east coast to do a, a verse you know for you and then with cater to you same thing where it was the juxtaposition between the very hype song of soldier and then going to just the all black dresses and the outfits the low key way more toned down in the second performance and that focus on um the song and i think kind of you mentioned at the top with the heavy hitters of de niro and destiny shop was this the christmas episode i'm pretty sure this was like it was it was December eighteenth, so I mean, if it wasn't the official Christmas episode, there was definitely I'm sure there were Christmas themed things going on. Yeah, and I just remember that, and the reason I asked is like you know in the background they have like the the poinsettias and they have the lights and everything, and it just seemed like a very a nice way to you know have a balance show the group and their their songs and like what was popular time with Soldier, but then a nice way to kind of end the night with that very like you know very loving song about being supportive of your partner and all that kind of stuff. But it was a really well done song, really well done performance. Sing your song, turn the game on. I brush your hair, help you put your do rag on. Wanna put a rug, you want a manicure. Baby, I'm yours, I wanna cater to you, boy. Let me cater to you, cause baby, this is your day. Do anything for my man, baby, you blow me away. And like I said, you just kind of see the difference in like how much more adult and the themes what they were talking about versus their first performance to me versus this one. But I thought they did a great job overall. Yeah, it was nice to see Destiny's Child at the tail end of uh, of them as a group and just how they've matured. Um, Beyonce uh, definitely, but how uh, Michelle and Kelly matured too, and just like it seemed like they were all just kind of comfortable with themselves and comfortable with where they were as a group. And that being like, maybe except for guest spots here and there, but just kind of the tail end of them as destiny's child. It was really neat to see them perform a cater to you was very touching. Um, mm-hmm. Soldier stood out to me um, out of the, out of these two songs. Cause it was just such a fun performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Lil Wayne caught me off guard too. <laughs> I forgot about <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. So he just comes out. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so that was just a super fun performance to watch. Uh, and I think uh, we just keep seeing an, an SNL star, I mean, obviously an icon, <laughs> maybe in yeah. 2004, she wasn't quite yet icon status, but she was trending there. Yeah. Uh, Beyonce was, but this is just the continuation of Beyonce uh, establishing herself as a, a real SNL star. I, I yeah. very much enjoyed it. I, I mean, I, I would agree. I think she just, you can see it happens with cast members and hosts, but I can also have a musical guest. You just see them becoming more and more comfortable as performers in that format. And it's not like Beyonce is waiting to come on SNL to, you know, <laughs> perform, <laughs> but like, you, you know what the format is, you know, what the week looks like, you know, what the prep looks like, you know, what the fan base looks like and how they react. And, and you, uh, you can just see her getting more and more comfortable. I thought she did a really good job and you can kind of see her growing as an artist, as a person too. 
Right, right. And she, she keeps growing. A few years later, four years later, she appears on SNL again. Uh, it's in season 34. It's her fifth appearance on the show, her fourth as a build musical guest. She appears solo. The host is Paul Rudd, another <laughs> SNL heavy hitter, and actually, <laughs> yeah. actually SNL Hall of Fame candidate here in season two. Go back and listen to that episode. Uh, Kirsten Turnbull and I had a lot of fun talking about Paul Rudd. So he's the host of this episode, Beyonce's the musical guest. And she performs If I Were a Boy, which which was a very nice song. It's To me, it was Beyonce in peak form. I with you, I Super confident, a very lovely song, but single ladies, I mean, in a couple of ways, really kind of stole the show <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, that yeah. night. So uh, I'll let you run with your thoughts on Beyonce's appearance uh, here in uh, November of 2008. Yeah, you know, so it's kind of funny. I had the same thoughts in terms of the first performance, and at first I thought she was going to change it up and kind of do a mellow song to start and then which in some ways did but she started kind of started off very you know melodic with if i were a boy and then it got much more energetic and got much more and it just got more like fast paced and less of a ballad how it is like on the on the album but i thought it was really cool that it was the song was if i were a boy and she had on this very you know very nice dress and she had all female players in the background it was like a completely female like drums and guitar and everyone in the background i thought that was really cool as just kind of background to the based on the theme of the song and then you get into uh single ladies as you said kind of took the show over um i don't know if you want to talk about the sketch first if you want to talk about this this the performance like i wouldn't go wherever you want to go let's talk about the sketch first because that happened before the the performance Mm so 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 yeah let's talk about the single ladies (laughs) sketch (laughs) yeah so the I thought that it was, first of all, it's a, I mean, that's a great sketch. Like I've obviously it's like one of the, it's a classic sketch. Haven't seen it in a long time. I know there's a fun background in terms of how they pitched it, you know, to Beyonce, but it was kind of interesting fun for one seeing Timberlake again. Cause you know, Justin Timberlake is an all time, you know, SNL host and seeing him, he hasn't been on in a while, obviously, but like him hamming it up and going for it with Bobby and Andy, like that, that trifecta uh, with, you know, them in the background, I guess for those who, I, I don't know who was listening that hasn't seen that sketch, right? But you know, the idea is that Paul Rudd is has gotten these background dancers for Beyonce. It comes in and it ends up being Justin Timberlake, Bobby Moynihan, and Andy Samberg. And they are dancing for her in the background, two single ladies, and essentially doing their version of the dance moves in high heels, leggings, and like a one-piece bathing suit in the, you know, in the, in the uh, leotard in the background while Beyonce is doing her single ladies dance. And so you know, they're obviously having a lot of fun with it. And it's hilarious. And like watching it again, I'm like, man, I, I once again, going back to her first performance and the sketch and going to this, it's like, man, this is such a funny idea. She's definitely having fun with it. Not necessarily making fun of herself, but having fun with the idea that like this would ever happen. And obviously against the idea of these guys, you know, singing and doing this and being bad dancers. Um, but I thought it was really, really fun. And to kind of watching it over again, you realize 
that song was like, I mean, it still is very popular, right? But oh, yeah. um, especially if you go to a wedding, depending on what wedding you go to, right? <laughs> it's just <still> so popping <laughs> up there. But I thought things, a couple things that, that stood out to me in the sketch were just like some of the fun, like one liners, you know, Bobby saying, we're warmed up like biscuits, you know, when they're talking about getting warmed up and JT just constantly saying, you know, we're the dancers. And Paul Rudd calling Beyonce, can call her B-Town. BK, be brilliant. You know, and I'm just like the idea that someone would be so casually talking and butting it up with Beyonce was just like a really lot of fun stuff in that sketch and a really fun way to capture a really, really popular song at that time and have fun with it and make it a memorable sketch that like it's still funny watching it today. anything what were you clowns doing we were grinding yeah i thought that was obvious <laughs> all right i'm not gonna lie they're my stepsons <laughs> my wife said i need to spend more time with them you're doing a good job dad yeah you're trying and it really shows where the dances oh i didn't know they were your sons that's very noble of you so you let them be in your video? Hell no. <laughs> if you watch the episode as a whole, there was a lot of energy going into that sketch because it directly followed Weekend Update. And Justin Timberlake made an awesome <laughs> appearance yes. on Weekend Update where he said yes. he was supposed to host the Thanksgiving episode, but he had to back out. But he wanted to come on Weekend Update and just kind of go over how the episode would have been. And so he does a perfect summation of what a Justin Timberlake episode would yep. look like. So the crowd was just fired up. There was a lot of energy. Justin Timberlake killed it on Weekend Update. And then after the commercial break, it's this sketch, the single ladies sketch with Timberlake, Bobby Moynihan, Andy Samberg, and Paul Rudd. And credit to Bobby Moynihan and Andy Samberg, they co-wrote this. And you alluded to like there being a story about Beyonce's involvement in it. And I believe this was told on our friends at the Saturday Night Network, uh, John Schneider's SNL Stories podcast that they do on the Saturday Night Network. Bobby Moynihan was a guest on on John's uh, one of John's episodes. And Bobby said that Beyonce was a little unsure about doing the sketch. Um, I think it had something to do with she didn't want it to be the way that like single ladies was introduced to the TV watching public because she was going to be performing single ladies after the sketch. And so she might've thought it was like a weird way to, <laughs> to introduce the song that night since she was already yeah. going to be performing it. But then Justin Timberlake, so she had said no and Justin Timberlake was around and he and Andy go way back, obviously. And the story goes from Bobby Moynihan that Justin Timberlake dressed in a leotard and walked and knocked on Beyonce's dressing room door. And when she opened, there was Justin Timberlake in a leotard <laughs> convincing her to do the sketch. And she couldn't say no to that. So <laughs> hard, hard to turn down, <laughs> hard to turn down. So, so, so we get this fun sketch, which uh, again, silly, fun, um, not the height of sophistication, but that's okay. I don't need every yeah. sketch to be super sophisticated in my SNL. I sometimes I like to have fun and be silly, and this was a great sketch for that. Yeah, I agree. Especially, you know, I, I mentioned it before. Like when you think about how popular that song was at the time, it happens now, right? There's things that happen in pop culture, or songs are popular, movies are popular, and we're like, all right, what's SNL's take or thing going to be on that? And 
um, they do a great job. I mean, with the pace of it and how hard it is to try to figure out something on the spot. But you think about how they were very with that song specifically able to have a really fun, didn't need to be sophisticated take on it to kind of cement it in SNL lore, have fun with it. And then you kind of move on. Like there's not a need to do a single lady sketch again. You're going to get that one. You got Beyonce and JT in the building. Like you got one shot to get it <laughs> and then you're on to the next week. Right. So I thought they did a really good job of, of capturing that. That was super fun. Yeah. And I thought Beyonce did her best, like as a straight person, straight, uh, oh, yeah. quote, straight man in, in, in that sketch <laughs> right. amidst the, the silliness that was happening around her. She didn't try to ham it up. She just kind of played it realistically about like, she would at first be annoyed by this. So, so it was really nice to see Beyonce <laughs> use her acting chops, which I guess we hadn't seen much since the Austin Powers, since gold member. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> right, to mention right. that she was in that, but um, yeah, it was really nice to see Beyonce in another sketch. And as far as the single ladies performance, uh, I thought that was, I thought that was really good too. I enjoyed that. And we said it numerous times in various ways, but that song just had the world in a chokehold, you know, at the time, like it just couldn't go anywhere without hearing it. I thought when I was watching it, to me, I felt like that was the best choreography that she had had as a performer on the show in terms of, you know, there was a very specific choreography for that music video that was, you know, shown and kind of, you know, poked fun, not poked fun at, but like imitated in the sketch. But her being in sync as a performer with the background dancers, bringing a very specific dance with the song for all her SNL performance, I think that was my favorite choreography um, that she did. And then she also gave the musicians some time to shine at the end, which I thought was cool. I think she also had, I want to say, all, an all-female all band playing, I want to say. And she kind of did like the a first applause break and then let them kind of do a solo and then wrapped it up again. And I just thought that it was a really cool performance. And I, I kind of had, as I was watching it, we, we both agree that, you know, I think the Dangerously in Love was our favorite performance of hers. But I, I would playing devil's advocate looking at the totality of this episode considering the sketch if you were going to submit an episode for beyonce like this is why she's a hall of fame candidate would it would you submit this episode or would you submit you know the previous episode with the with the dangerously in love and the solo performances yeah, that's a really good question. I think this would be a fine episode to submit. This was her, again, season 34. It was back in 2008. I think it's a fine episode to submit because um, you do have her in a sketch. You do have an iconic song in Single Ladies. Uh, you had her just really showing a lot of facets of what makes her Beyonce. And you really, in 2008, she was closer to the icon that we know her now. So that was her on SNL, more fully formed than she was previously. So I think this would be a fine, if we were going to submit full episodes, I think this would be a good one uh, to point people to. And it's interesting that November 15th, 2008, this was her most recent, this was the, the most recent appearance for her as a host or musical guest. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have any opinions or theories 
as to why Beyonce hasn't appeared again, even as a host. I think she would obviously be a no-brainer as a host of the show, but do you have any guesses as to why she hasn't appeared since 2008 in those capacities? You know, it's interesting because I was actually thinking about this. I actually was going to kind of ask you a question about, I guess, a, a question related to this, but I'll answer yours first. My gut tells me that, and it's, I don't think there's many people that can say this, is that she is, I want to say, like, too famous for the show. Like, from a from her demands as an artist, how popular she is. Like, and some of that's just availability, right? I know she's had a few tours and stuff and, and you know, since then. But, like, she's one of those people that I, I would imagine is an incredibly hard get, especially since then. I'm sure that someone has reached out and asked. I'm sure you, you know, you're not doing your job. You're not, if you're not asking as the booking as you for booking for SNL. But to me, she just seems like one of those artists that's just so popular, so famous that it's just hard to pin her down. And at sometimes has been, maybe she's so famous, like I said, past the point of saying, well, does she want to do it for fun anymore? You know, does she want to do it just for the sake of doing it? And I, and I was, I also think that in some ways that Taylor Swift has kind of taken that spot where She's been, uh, you know, not that she, she's obviously very, very famous, very, very successful, but it's kind of taken that spot as like the musical guest where people are going to be lined up outside of, you know, on 30 Rock waiting. And, you know, when the when the host comes out, they kind of will joke like, I know you're all here to see me. You know, it's like Jonathan Majors, like, I know you're here to see me, you know, but it's really different. But I think Beyonce is that level of artist. But I think it might just be an availability thing because I don't I, I really don't know why she hasn't been back. She's had Lemonade. She's had Renaissance, obviously. Great opportunities for her to come on the show. But maybe she just, I don't know, doesn't want to or I don't know. What are, you, what are your thoughts? I was wondering if maybe her, I guess her current aesthetic or maybe this doesn't fit sketch comedy <laughs> like it sure. once did. Because I know she's tried to use her voice for different things. Um, she's become more uh, of an activist, especially you mentioned Lemonade. I know that was definitely her expressing a lot of uh, different sides than she had done mm -hmm. previously. And maybe just that doesn't fit SNL. And she certainly doesn't need to need SNL. Like, yeah. and, I mean, not, not to say that everybody needs SNL, but you pointed out the fact that she's just so beyond famous yeah. that she would it's not like she would do SNL as a way to promote something. Right. She doesn't need that as a promotional vehicle. So she would want to do SNL because she just really wants to do it. And I don't fault her for not doing it. Would love to see her again. Yeah. But I think you brought up some 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 really good points with that. And I was trying to think you'd brought up Taylor Swift and I think you you're correct in that she did she's another icon that almost did take the place of, of Beyonce on SNL in that sense. And I was trying to think of just modern day music icons in general. And it seems like we have a lot less. I mean, our focus is more splintered mm -hmm. just in entertainment in general. But I thought of Taylor Swift, Beyonce, and Lady Gaga were like yeah. three that I could think of. And so Beyonce is in that class. She is an icon yeah. of our generation. Oh, hundred percent. And I think, you know, it's interesting because you, you talk about like her being like what it is like with her being activist, which I mean, as, I don't think SNL shies away from that necessarily. I, I think if she wanted to, I can't see Lauren being like, I don't know, you know, Childish <laughs> Gambino, when Childish Gambino was on, uh, he, they let him perform. They let Donald Glover perform. This is America. 
Yeah. Right? And I mean, that's and, super, uh, that's yeah, a I think political song. Think, yeah. Yeah. I think the music video released like at the time, like the same night that that came on. But the, the thing I was going to point out was like from an icon level standpoint, I always go back to Taylor Swift's performance, her 10 minute performance her last time. Right. Yeah. And which kind of goes against the form of the show, right? Like you're bending the form of the show to say, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to do two songs. I'll do one 10 minute song, you know? And I'm, there's a very short list of people that famous that could convince a Lauren or the powers that be to say, this is what I'm going to do tonight. And I think Beyonce is in that level. Maybe Lady Gaga as well, where that could say, Beyonce said, I'm going to do two tracks from limited. Or I'm going to do two songs from Renaissance and that's it. I think they would say, yeah, hundred percent. And there, like I said, there's a very short list of icons and musical guests that could command that level of, I guess, you know, respect or, or flexibility from the show. Yeah. And why does, Beyonce resonate with people like she does. I mean, she's pretty and can sing. She can dance, but there've been a lot of good looking people who can sing and dance. In your opinion, what is it about Beyonce that resonates with people like, like she does? Yeah, I think that it is. I think it's a combination of things. I mean, I think she's, she's obviously like uber talented. She has the longevity. She's been doing it for such a long time. I think that her voice is also incredibly unique. Um, and that she can do things as an artist with her voice that other others can't. I think she comes off as very um, natural. I think she's also been very innovative and I think very real. I think her, you know, th- those kind of matchup, you think of like Lemonade, where it's like a, a secret release, like I'm just going to release an album and have it be, you know, like a video album and have and be very open about the struggles that she has. You know, a lot of people that are icons consider themselves to be untouchable. And she's very open about like infidelity and her relationship. And it gives her kind of a down to earth component. Um, that isn't, you know, there's times where artists will sing a song and you might feel, well, you don't, you don't know what that's, you don't know what that's like, you know, you haven't experienced that um, because you're have this much money or have, are this famous. I think that relatability is something that um, she's, you know, in uh, music kind of down uh, to people who are like down to earth royalty, as it were. And then I think, you know, from a, we talked about it earlier before I just mentioned it, like her longevity, her ability to continue to put out hits that are recognized. And I think she connects with her fans really well. And I think she's also done a really good job of, as she's grown as an artist, I think her activism and her voice, while she's lent it to speaking up about things, doing her Super Bowl performance, right? Talking about, uh, police injustice talking about she's been very uh advocate for the lgbtq community um like she's not shied away from certain things that i think people as famous as her have tampered down their feelings about certain things to continue to keep the gravy train rolling so to speak and i think that as she's gotten more comfortable been open about the things that she's dealt with in the background i think that's made her more endearing to people that has made her more of a person than just someone who's like pretty and sings and dances and puts together great albums. I think people feel like they know her. And I think that that connection is kind of what makes people want to um, support her and why she's had such a long career as well. Yeah, I completely agree with all of that. And so to put a bow on this whole thing uh, related to our task at hand over here, what is your summary for why Beyonce should be an SNL Hall of Famer? You're talking about outside of the show, um, or on the show, she's given multiple great performances. She's given us an all-time sketch um, appearing in, as a musical guest. The catalog of songs that she has per, that she has performed on SNL, um, and the amount of popularity and how those will be played on radios, uh, play, or played or on Spotify, streaming at weddings, on playlists in the future. 
the timelessness of some of these songs are going to be around forever. There's many artists that have been on SNL that have not had so- a single song as popular or as successful as a soldier or cater to you or single ladies. She's given us multiple hits in her catalog and her performances. And then outside of the world of SNL, it's one of the most popular and successful performing artists of all time. I will not be the one to tell the Bayhive that Beyonce does not belong in the SNL Hall of Fame. And I think her performances and the amount of energy and respect she's given to the show with those, I think, warrants a Hall of Fame bid. And I think the only thing, as we just talked about, that is would influence why people haven't is how long it's been since she's been on the show. But I guarantee if she showed up on Saturday in the new year and performed Cuffin' It or Cuff It or um, any song from Renaissance, I'm pretty sure people remember, oh yeah, this is Beyonce <laughs> and would know that she's someone who deserves to be in the, in the hall. Thank you so much, Will Norman. That was a great conversation with Thomas Senna. And yeah, I wouldn't want to be the person to tell her either. But I got to say, the odds are slim based on what we've seen over two rounds of voting so far. So if you are a Beyonce person, if she is somebody that you would like to see in the SNL Hall of Fame, make sure you are registered to vote and you vote for her. Because the only way to get in the Hall of Fame, your Hall of Fame, is to be voted by you, the listener. Speaking of listening, why don't we give a listen to uh, a Beyonce performance from SNL at this point? Let's kick it off and uh, sit back and enjoy ourselves as we listen to Beyonce perform Dangerously in Love as only she can do. This is Beyonce on the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. For who I am Cause years before I became who I am 
myself having a child I see myself being your wife And I see my whole future in your eyes The thought of all my love for you Sometimes makes me want to cry I realize all my blessings I'm grateful to have you by Whether you love her or hate her, her talent is undeniable, and her experiences on SNL have um, lifted us. And uh, she's not uh, the snack food or the bathroom break performer. She's somebody you're going to watch. And that, to me, is the hallmark of a musical guest performance that is Hall of Fame worthy. Will she make it? I don't know. I don't think she's the first ballot Hall of Famer based on a couple of things, one of which she hasn't been on in some time, and the second of which she's got this albatross around her neck, which is being a musical guest in this Hall of Fame, and we don't seem to vote for musical guests in the Hall of Fame. We seem to, um, you know, brush that aside, brush that experience aside, and uh, hopefully that'll change at some point. We shall see. That's what I've got for you this week. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Please, on your way out, as you walk past the Weekend Update exhibit, 
turn out the lights because the SNL Hall of Fame is now closed. Thanks for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. Make sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at SNLHOF. This is Doug Denant saying, this is Doug Denant saying, see you next week. and such. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.